Hey friends, this is your friend Kyle Coleman. Welcome to Are We Still Friends, the podcast where I sit down with interesting friends to see what they're up to in their interesting lives. There may be two interesting, in fact, and I oftentimes wonder, are we still friends? Allie Thomas is a Brooklyn-based educator and career counselor. She specializes in ESOL and currently works with adult learners, though she has experience teaching from pre-K to senior citizens. You can find her at a dive bar, petting dogs, playing trivia, or on the ultimate field. Old man groans. <laughs> All right, I'll put my phone down. I'll pay attention to you. That means you don't have to. Did you already turn it on? I did. We're recording. Oh, great. Cool. Yeah. I love holding a microphone, so it doesn't matter. Do you? Yeah. Okay. This is why hosting trivia was great. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, how many times in your life have you actually held a microphone? Like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting that you host trivia when you are a person that's like, I will not set foot on anything performancey. No. That's different. And I got compliments for not trying to be an actor, improv person while I was hosting because that's fucking obnoxious and people don't like that. Uh, so me just being a sane person doing it was fine. Also because it's like teaching kind of ish. Say more. How is it like teaching? You're yeah. asking people questions and then they're answering your questions and it's about knowledge. And then and you, you have to tell them to like follow the rules and be quiet and like. All the things is very teachery, and I definitely use teacher voice at adults to be like, "No, stop <laughs> yelling things. Put it down." Yeah, all the time. I didn't tell you that uh, I was telling you about some of my problem kids in, yes. in my class, and I didn't tell you that uh, yesterday they were we were talking about slavery in the colonies in the American colonies because we're doing like an American colonies unit. Yeah, and I'm scared where this is going. I started well, it's not bad, but I started out the day being like, "This is a super sensitive topic. Like, we need to give this like our utmost respect and attention." And mm-hmm. you know, gave them a little like pre thing. Mm-hmm. And one of two of my problem kids like wouldn't stop talking during like all the stuff about like slavery and this is how many people died. What were they talking about? They were just dicking around and goofing off. Mm-hmm. And I used my like angry teacher voice on them, which I don't use. And I was like, stop talking mm-hmm. and like scared the shit out of them. Good for you. So I, I was, I felt bad about it. As soon as I did it, I turned to the rest of the class and was like, I'm really sorry. Like I no, don't, they need to know that you can be angry and tell them to fuck off a little bit. Okay. Because not it's not so like not the old thing where you're not supposed to smile in the first like two months or whatever none of that bullshit nonsense but like they still need to know that like they can't fuck around because after a certain point of watching other people fuck around like you start to learn like oh well i mean they've been doing it forever and it's super annoying i'm just gonna do it too so i wanted to talk to you about teaching because i think you are a big influence in why i like got into it and I don't know if you remember back when I met you in Portland, I was thinking about getting into ESOL. Was that was the... That is what I do now. Yeah. That's what, what I did in Portland. What was the program that you did where you taught internationally? And oh, it, that's CELTA. CELTA. Yeah. So there's CELTA and there's TEFL are the two big TEFL certifications that of. you can get um, internationally. I mean, you can get them here too, but those are the ones that have the training programs abroad as well. I remember you talking about doing that and I was like, oh my God, this is a thing I want to do. And it was half for just wanting to travel mm-hmm. and have an excuse to go places, but like genuinely wanted, like that has been a thing I've wanted to do for a long time. It's like I knew I wanted to get into some kind of teaching and 
yeah, I, I regret not following through on that and like actually going through that program because it sounded amazing. Yeah, um, it's hard as shit. Like what, where did you originally, were you, were you like, I'm going to go do this? What was the, the instigating moment to, to get you into that? So I think, so in undergrad, I changed my major like a crazy number amount of, like, amount of times. I came in as psych and then I think by sophomore year, I was like, oh no, I'll do education. And then I changed like a whole bunch of times depending on what I wanted to do. But I like wasn't too like dumb about it and like took all the basic education classes that you had to do, just generally speaking, then realized I wanted to do English. So I was doing English Lit. And then something happened senior year and I don't remember what it was, but at some point I was like, well, what if I wanted to do English to speakers of other languages? which is what ESOL stands for. And I was like, oh, maybe that could be a cool like later thing. And so my second to last semester, because my last semester was student teaching, second to last semester I was like, I started looking up programs just as like a long-term potential thing. So you had to take more Spanish. So I took like an extra Spanish class to like hit, you need like level five or something to potentially qualify for certain just graduate programs. Um, so I had that in the back of my mind. And then... I had a really hard time getting a job after school. I did work at like an international summer camp, actually. I mean, it was based on Long Island, but it was all like kids that flew in to do. But so I had like nothing and no one telling me what to do. So I was just trying to find roles online. And even as recently as like a couple months ago, one of my coworkers was like, why didn't you just go downtown to this place like for downtown Manhattan for like getting a teaching position I was like because no one was there to tell me and this was 2010 it wasn't like I was great at like everything is on Google so anyways instead of getting a full-time position I ended up full-time subbing in a a long-term position similar to yours but way more chaotic in some ways and that school got shut down it was a whole thing whatever anyway so like in that process I was like all right well Maybe I want to have a backup. I started like, I don't know what prompted it, but I like looked into programs and I was like, oh, I could go abroad. And I found the CELTA program. So it's Cambridge's Certification of English Language Teaching to Adults is what CELTA stands for. And so I was looking around and I saw there in a couple locations. I saw Prague. You'd be in class all day and then you'd have to go and teach. And we had like groups of teaching. And at first it was like trying different activities. We had like adult learners that were there. They were all mostly Czech speakers. Our program was from like everywhere. Like one of my really good friends in the program is from Jordan. We were also hanging out with like this guy who's from England. And then Matthew was one of them. That's how I met Matthew, who's from California at the time. And this guy, Kevin, who's from the Midwest. I forget where Kevin's from. But like that became like our core group. But there was like people from Belarus and people like from all over all different ages and stuff, which was really cool. Just like people that decided that they wanted to do this, whether they had an education background or not. But you had papers due every week. Um, they had to be really like thorough. So it's like, I'm lesson planning, I'm studying. I'm pretty sure there were probably tests and we're writing papers. It was like very intense. But we did have the weekends off. So then it would just be like on the weekend, we're just like doing work and then drinking a whole bunch. I don't know. It was fun, but it was stressful. Like, really stressful. And I didn't do well on one of the papers, and I was, like, losing my shit. And then your final grade of, like, whether or not you pass is, like, a little bit based on the papers. And then on a demo lesson that you have to do at the end. And 
I got super nervous and like bugged out and messed up my demo lesson and thought I wasn't going to pass after doing that for four weeks. And I was like, fuck. And I definitely like finished, cried and like I got out of the classroom and then like cried and took like a really long walk and like listened to my headphones really loud and like freaked out. And it was just like a whole thing. So yeah, so that was stressful and would not recommend that. But the program was good. You learned a lot of skills. Some people got jobs in Prague after that. Um, some people went back to their countries. Some people went to new countries, depending on where they were. But most people started teaching right after that, which was really cool. And you didn't end up teaching, right, over there? Like, I did not. Right. You came uh, back. I came back. I was dating someone at the time. And right before I left, I convinced him to move in with me. Bad choices. That went poorly, especially because I came back and broke up with him. <laughs> wasn't wasn't my strongest time. But no, so I was going to originally just come back after four weeks. And then I was there and I was like, this is dumb. Like, why am I leaving? I'm in Europe. It was for all of July. So I still had time before school would start back up. I didn't really have, I didn't have subbing positions going on. I wasn't tutoring in the summer, I don't think. So like none of my stuff was happening. I wasn't teaching summer school. So I was like, I'm just going to stay. Matthew helped convince me of that too. And then mostly because we ended up traveling together for a couple more weeks, basically until I literally ran out of money. And then you decided to come back to the States. Well, I had had to. Had to. But then I still went back to the subbing and then I didn't really get permanent positions. That year was really rough and just trying to find stuff. So I still had my tutoring and I still had my Saturday school that I was teaching. But it was more like bouncing around to sub positions which is like, you know, waking up at 6 a.m. to see if you got a phone call or an email or calling in and being like, hello, I would like to work, please. You know, not having a car here is a lot harder. So you're getting on the train and maybe you're going like an hour or sometimes I had like a permanent position I could bike to. But yeah, it was a weird time. What's the gap between going to Europe and then coming to Portland? So I came back in August. School started back up end of August, September. I was just subbing a whole bunch in random places. And so... In New York, uh, if you get your teacher certification, your initial certification out of undergrad, you have to go to grad school to keep it and get like a permanent license. It's just like a whole now normal sane people would just do it here in the CUNY system or something that's close and cheap because you live here. And I instead was like, especially going through the breakup and everything was like, all right, well, I want to do something different. I want to move. And also maybe I want to do the Peace Corps. So I was like, why don't I get my degree because I'm going to have to get another one anyways. I'll do it in TESOL because I no longer feel like I want to be grading essays. I'm like over regular conventional like literature, 7 through 12 English. And I just started looking for, I found out that there's a Peace Corps Master's International Program, which is technically what like me and Lal and our friend Emily, I don't know if you remember her, but like what we all, I think she had left Portland by the time we met. Anyways, we had come in to do that. Um, so I found there was a couple places. There was one in Colorado, I think Boulder. I don't remember any other place in Colorado, so I'm going to say it was Boulder. <laughs> Portland. Oh, there was one in Indiana. Indiana has a big, like, language school. I forget which one. Anyways, so apply to both. I think I got into both, and then I was like, I'll go to Portland. Sight unseen, whatever. You had um, never been? Nope. Oh, wow. Never, ever. Just showed up with a suitcase and was like, cool, I live here now. <laughs> Which is terrifying yeah but it's fine yeah so that year is just really rough and I was like I'm gonna do something different I'm gonna move plus it was a two-year program the Peace Corps thing fell apart because it was basically you get four credits for your 27 months of service like four credits to your degree and I was like I'm not wasting 
two years of my over two years of my life for four credits. That's not a thing. And you're like, loans would go into default and like all this stuff. And I was like, this sounds like it sucks. I can just get my degree and teach and be fine or do the Peace Corps later if I want to. And you get better positions and like higher positions if you have a master's degree anyways. So you're in Portland. Mm -hmm. We meet. Mm -hmm. How bad of an idea was that for you in the long term? (laughs) I mean, it's panned out a lot better than I expected it, <laughs> considering it's just me being an asshole to you. But I felt like you deserved it at the time, so I looked up. How so? <laughs> How did you deserve it? How much detail do you want to go into? This? I don't care. <laughs> oh, because your OkCupid profile was terrible. Yeah. It was so bad. Yeah. And I was super bored. Yeah. I was very and, underwhelmed at that time in my life. Uh, and I was going to a barbecue. I was definitely just sitting on the couch shit-talking you mm-hmm. and then got picked up to go to a barbecue and hang out and be like, look, look at this asshole I'm talking to. <laughs> and then I got drunk and then we went to a bar. Yep. <laughs> and then the rest is history. And now I'm here in Brooklyn interviewing you. <laughs> Nine years later. Nine years later. Cool. It worked out great for you probably. Maybe. I don't know. I'm happy. I'm great. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's been a good experience. It's been a good nine years. <laughs> My friends thought I might get murdered. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you didn't even have your face on your profile. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, how you been shit talking all day? That's who you're going to go out Right. Yeah. That seems like a good idea. Shit talk him all day and then go meet up with him. Mm-hmm. When we don't even know what his face looks like. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably wasn't the worst dating choice I've ever made. So. Oh, good. Definitely. I don't think it was at all. I, I like being in that. That category of probably not the worst. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's worse than that. I don't know. I made a lot of bad choices in Portland (laughs) dating. (laughs) So you end up, yeah, you're in Portland for a while and then you graduate and then you decided to come back here. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you struggling with that. Like right as you were graduating, you were like, I don't know what to do. Like, I want to go home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, kind of. I don't know. I like, I wanted to like Portland more than I did. Yeah. Okay. Here's the, the real <laughs> oh, meat no. of this episode. Yeah. I mean, 90% of the people listening to this are going to be from Portland. They so. are. So, sorry. so give an outside, sorry, not sorry. outside perspective of it, of what was your, what was your time Lord. like there? Oh, Lord. They need to hear this. <laughs> you need to burst their little <laughs> bubble. Flew across the country to get my friend to shit talk Portland <laughs> on a Portland listener podcast. <laughs> Uh, listen, I, so like I said, I had never been to Portland. I didn't know anything about Portland. My only foray into knowledge about Portland prior to that was when I was in Europe and Matthew was like, have you heard of Portlandia? Let's watch some episodes. And I started watching it and I was like, I hate this. Yeah. I don't get any of the jokes. I don't know anything about Portland. None of this makes sense to me. I don't understand why this is funny. And he was like, I don't know. I don't live there either. It's just funny. And I was like, this is not my type of humor. Please stop showing me this. Uh, (laughs) so that was what I knew and then you know like being told that it was like super liberal and whatever and like I don't know lefty and stuff and it's I like wasn't prepared for cultural differences this sounds ridiculous but it's true like east coast versus west coast I'd never been to the I had been to the west coast once I had a layover in California and that was it like literally it was like technically the third time I'd touched ground on the West Coast when I showed up. So I wasn't expecting, even just from little things, to start was just little things like how people cross the street 
your fucking chaos of like just step in the crosswalk and then cars stop. That doesn't make any sense. It's insane. So it's like little things like that. And then, I don't know, not expecting for like, I guess, New York, more style of stuff can come off as kind of harsh sometimes. Like I remember like, you know, I have really good friends that I'll like say bitch loving to and just be like, yo, bitch, what's up? And I would say that to one of my first friends there. And after a while, she like literally put me in my place and she was like, do not call me that. I don't like it. I don't know why you do that. It's not a term of endearment. Like, stop. And I was like, you could have told me the first like four times I did it, but okay, sure. So like I get it. It's just like different styles of stuff. But then I don't know. You find like little things where it's clearly like a bunch of people came here from like or came there from like the Midwest that were like, I need to be in a more liberal space, but it's still, I don't know, like not self-aware of how insular it is just because you believe that like diversity is great, but you don't like live in a diverse space is like kind of weird. You're not like aware. You don't believe in the fact that like the city is super segregated and remains segregated and like, I don't know, even like not even learning till later the history of Oregon being like white people. We just want white people. And I'm definitely like, you know, just really minimalizing this stuff a lot. And, you know, like as a white person, it's weird to be the person that's calling this out. But like at the same time, it was just like, I don't know. I just didn't feel like it was like a liberal, like a liberal white safe haven in a lot of ways where like I can finally be however I wanted to be. I'm not making sense. None of the coffee is stuck to me. Um (laughs) Like, one of the times I remember, uh, so I dormed my first year because I was like, I don't know any of these neighborhoods. I don't want to end up in a shitty neighborhood. I don't want to be, like, hard for public transportation, whatever. Um, So I dormed, and I, like, went to this program that you had to do if you were potentially going to be an RA. And I was like, sick, RA, then can pay my room and board. Great. So we had to go to this program, and it was like, I don't remember what it was anymore, but I remember it definitely being, like, more the speakers were talking about, like, nature and, like... I don't know, like recycling or something. I feel like it was a large part of it. I don't know what the training was for, but I remember I made friends with this girl who was like, yeah, like I'm an anarchist. And I was like, cool, like great. So we're like bullshitting about whatever. And she was like, I'm going to this anarchist book club or anarchist library or something. I forget. I think it was in North Portland. She was like, do you want to come? I know it was on like Alberta or something. Um, She was like, oh, do you want to come after? And I was like, cool, like I'll go to like a reading. Like I need friends and stuff. This sounds great. I remember talking to her and her just like start somehow we got talking about guns at one point and like being able to carry and whatever. And I get that that's more like anarchy stuff. And I was like some comment about like, yeah, Portland really threw me off. It wasn't what I was expecting. It's like liberal without having like a lot of like the diversity it preaches about and stuff like that. And it feels super segregated. Like, And she was like, yeah, but isn't New York super segregated? And I was like, I mean financially yes but like how do you mean she was like yeah but like don't you just have like it was something about like having pockets of people and how there's like super now less so but like used to be super old school like Italian neighborhoods we've got Hasidic neighborhoods we've got Chinatown we've got like all of these clusters and she was like yeah that's segregated and I was like no that's yes people have grouped themselves but it's not like they're one forced into it and that's they're incapable of getting places other places a lot of immigrants are coming in and they're like, I don't speak the language or I want to be with people of my own culture or just like I want to go to a store that has the stuff from my culture. I'm going to live near there. I was like, that's not the same as 
being actively segregated or not being able to get other than financially, not being able to like move to other places or feel safe in other places. It was just weird. I was like, I don't, I've never thought of someone not understanding that like we have cultural pockets. So that was kind of weird. And I was like, I mean, she's from the Midwest, so she doesn't technically count as Portland, but she was like, yes, I am like a lefty thinker and like Portland is great for all of this stuff. And I was like, that's weird. Okay. So that was like a first like thing. And then I don't know, just it was interesting because, you know, Portland's been the forefront, it seemed to me, of like a lot of like, that was where I learned the term cis. This is going to sound dumb now in 2023, but like at the time I had never heard about that, like the more openness of like different genders and like different pronouns and everything like that. Obviously the more traditional pronouns, but like more of that was like, oh, okay, this is really cool. And then I was like, oh, this is your only thing and like nature are like the only things that make you like the like progressive space that you think you are. But it was also places where like if you misassumed something of someone, you use the wrong pronoun or something, like I got, I feel like I got yelled at at some point or I heard someone get yelled at at some point for being like, why would you assume this? Why would you say that? And it's like, I'm sorry, but literally this is new knowledge for a lot of people. And if you're just going to scream at people every time, I'm sorry that the burden of educating people falls upon the people who have had negative things happen to them because of their identity. But it's kind of a new thing for a lot of people. And unfortunately, you're going to have to be those educators and those people that are doing that. Like, sorry, don't scream at me. It won't happen again, clearly. But you don't have to also scare the shit out of someone for like, or berate them for, I don't know. So it was like weird things about assumptions. I always thought Portland was like, we're so friendly and nice. And like people talk to me at the grocery store too much. And like, I'm like, I'm buying my groceries. Yes. Hi. Hello. We say that. Please move on. Don't ask me about my day, which is just like a very probably here thing, specifically in the city. But then when you tried to like make friends with people, it just was really hard. Like, I feel like a lot of people are like very surface level friendly and then like don't want to actually get to know you or talk to you about something they already have their pack of people they already have their thing like I ended up with so many east coast friends in Portland whether we knew that intentionally or not they just like kind of clung to each other and then we'd have some west coast people in there obviously hello yes um but I don't know there's just it was weird and there was kind of nice to like be with other people that were like the city's kind of a liar for some of this stuff so overall, it just, it was a different vibe. And there's just like weird pretentious things that like, I don't know, maybe I just came off like an asshole for some of the more New York things, like going to a bar and people waiting in a line to get a beer when there's so much space and multiple bartenders. And like, there was definitely a couple of times where I was like, am I supposed to do this? And I'd be like, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to go over here. And the bartender's like, yeah, you don't have to do that. I don't know why they do that. I was like, cool. Can I get a beer? And then people are mad at me that I got a beer first. And like, there's no rule that says you have to wait online. You did that to yourself. What are you doing? And then I look like a crazy person. So I was just like, there's like little things where it's like being too loud or being like, I'm not going to just follow the things you guys all seem to, I don't know. It was just weird. It just didn't jive with me. I wanted to be better at nature and better at like, we all ride our bikes and we're all like super cool and there's so much music and stuff. But I was like, eh, I kind of want to just come back here. It's just different. Like, you can walk down the street here 
and there's so many different people from different places and different backgrounds and different countries and all this stuff and it's just I would rather be in a place that's like kind of intense sometimes you know I was on the subway the other day some man fell down in the morning he seemed okay like they but like a bunch of people came over got him up I wasn't close enough to help because I would have just like jumped in and crowded him and it would have been too much but like someone got up he like didn't want to take some woman's seat and she was like don't be ridiculous sit down and like got him to sit and then he was fine I kept an eye on him when he got off the train because we got off at the same stop. And then, you know, some other lady had her stroller and she's trying to get it up and, like, the trains were delayed so there's a billion people and her kid was out of the stroller walking and some woman was just like, I got him and, like, walked right in front of the mom and, like, held the kid's hand and helped him up the stairs because he was tiny. And, like, yeah, she probably, after she got to the top, was like, okay, bye, and, like, left and they never talked again and, like, everyone else gave them space and, like, understood what was happening. So, like... There's like nice things happening while also people don't have to be friendly because ultimately people are nice here even if we're all frosty on the top. So it's just I'd rather that. Like I understand that as people, right? Like you're going to help someone out. Someone drops something. You're going to be like, hey, you drop this here and then like walk away quickly. You might like yell at them and be like, yo, you dropped this. Is this yours? And be like not nice about it, but you don't have to. You're giving them a thing back. You're going about your life. The gesture itself is nice enough. Yeah, but we don't like, I don't know, Portland feels like it needs to be nice. It's almost like it has a, like a performative aspect to being nice. Yes, there's that. And also, I don't know, it felt really weird when Lal and I came separately, but we were in the summer of 2020 and we were walking around and it was like, everything had Black Lives Matter signs up, every single building. And it was like, this is fascinating, but like, good, super glad that you can say that, but like, also, it kind of felt like people must have been like, oh, if I don't have this sign up, I'll look, look like a bad person. So then everyone had to have the sign up because it was just insane. Like I live, my neighborhood is gentrifying, but I still live in quite a predominant, formerly predominantly black neighborhood. Bed-Stuy is still technically predominant, but it's getting gentrified. Black neighborhood. And we don't have anywhere near as many of those signs at all even Matthew came to visit last winter and he was like you have like surprisingly less Black Lives Matter signs around here and I was like yeah because there's black people here and they don't always have to say it (laughs) I was like it was weird it was weird noticing it there and then having him come like a year and a half later I guess that was last year's 2022 winter yeah like a year and a half later and him being like wow there's so much fewer here and I was like yeah, well, not everyone feels the need to put up a sign that says my life matters. I don't know, like or whatever the mentality was. I can't speak for those people, but I was like, yeah, it's just a different vibe when you can actually support people. Like, I don't know. I don't know. So it's it's just different. Going back to teaching a little bit, what what are kids like East Coast versus West Coast? I know that's a very generic general thing, but like what was your experience in classrooms in Portland versus classrooms here? So I didn't actually teach kids in Portland. Oh, okay. Um, I taught adults the whole time. So, I mean, that was just straight up different just because there were different programs. Like, I worked at, I was volunteering at Africa House out in, I think it's Southeast. And it was a woman-only, low-level ESL, like a, essentially we'd call it like a life skills program, is what I would call it now that I kind of helped take over and like gave a curriculum and like straightened it up because it was just random volunteers before. But for that, 
at the time it was actually massively Nepali women, like the whole class. And then we had like a handful of other people, but it was predominantly Nepali women. That class was super fun. They, most of them had very low English. And then also um, either no literacy in their first language or like very little literacy in their first language. So that's just a whole different population where you're like learning how to hold a pencil, you're learning how to write, like all of those kind of things. So it's just not really comparable. Also, it was a volunteer program that I got free reign to do whatever I wanted and I just had to collaborate with people. So that was kind of sweet to just be able to design my own program. And you're working mostly with, mostly with adult learners now? Uh, yeah, I'm an adult learner program. So I actually moved back, worked in a high school for four years. And then switched after lockdown to back to adult learners, which I like. Though adult learners are like fourth graders a lot of the time. We had this one program I was working in when we wanted to have an assembly. We had like a meeting room that we had to talk to them about. I don't even remember what. But we literally had to block the hallway so that they didn't sneak out when they were told classes ended early. This is a required meeting about the program the free English program that you get, don't leave. And we had to like block the door and they're like, no, but I gotta go, I don't wanna do it. And like, just go, dude, you're a grown up. Like, you know that meetings are required, go. They're children, they're all children. <laughs> all learners, no matter what, are always children. I think it really puts you back into the mentality that you were as a student. I do it too. Teachers are sometimes like the worst students, for sure. In my experience anyway, myself included, like, I think just if you had a bad uh, experience with education in the first part, you're definitely coming in more worry. You're definitely like more cautious about stuff. Some adults have like very particular assumptions about their own learning that like may or may not be accurate for what they need or what the teaching style of the teacher is. But like however you learned the first time is kind of like the preconceived notion you bring in for your continuing education so they have to sort of unlearn how they learned to learn it depends some of them are fine but um a lot of adult learners for like english can vary from like having very little formal education or no formal education to having you know high level degrees but they can't get their jobs here because they don't speak english so like all those styles kind of come across and behaviors and stuff like that depending on your age depending on like all types of stuff it kind of they're very diverse in their learning styles and needs. Are you enjoying more doing working with adult learners versus working with younger learners? Yeah, I like adults better for the most part. You could be real with them. I like I also never liked working with like the little ones. I definitely liked high school best of the like ages and then I like working with adults. I just I like being able to be peer to peer with people a lot of the time or oftentimes I'm still younger <laughs> than a lot of my students. I love working with seniors. I was doing senior working with seniors in a computer class, so they're learning how to use the computer for the first time, and like that was super fun. That's probably adorable too to just watch like a little old lady. Like I'm just imagining a little old lady sitting at the computer, like opening a Word document and typing for the first time. It is fun. You need a lot of patience <laughs> because it's hard. If you have shaky hands, clicking a mouse is extremely difficult. It, you don't have the retention that you used to. So there's a lot of just like, I have to go over it again. People that will take the test, we test it like the end of every cycle, taking it again, taking it for the fifth time and they still can't pass it because they still don't remember things and you just like, 
you're just not gonna your memory's not getting better you're in your 80s and they have whatever else going on so there is a lot of patience and sometimes just being a lot of like not that one not not that one not that one not that one try try again try again mm-hmm. wearing a mask was great because i could just sit there and be like I need a break. I gotta walk away. Or I would carry my keys in my pocket sometimes, and I had some people who were like just rough. Because a lot of adults also don't know. They were never diagnosed with any like learning challenges, or they don't know, or they're unaware, or just like culturally it wasn't a thing, or they had disjointed education, so there's no space for them to have that determined. And so they don't know to tell us. And so then you kind of learn it as you go. And there are times where you're just like, I literally would have my keys in my pocket and just be squeezing them and just be like, oh, God, okay. We're going to be fine. Everything's fine. Not that one. Not that one. <laughs> Try it again. Try it again. Yep. Try it one more time. Especially like just learning, not realizing that like if you move the mouse at all, when you click, it doesn't work. And not getting that. And then just like little bits and like every time you see that little thing move it just looks like it's moving a little bit that's because it's, it's not gonna work if that happens so we gotta just hold it still hold, hold it still and doing that for four hours on end <laughs> four days a week is <laughs> a lot more patience than i have in real life for real people isn't that interesting how much <laughs> patience you have in this job like i find myself the same way where it's like holy shit like <laughs> At least the little ones aren't fully formed adults or fully formed people. Sure. So like some of that, they're straight up learning for the first time. Yeah. Adults are sometimes like, you fucking know better, bro. <laughs> you fucking know better. Stop. Please stop. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Yeah. What do you see like your future in, in education? It's cool because you have had a wide variety. You like taught. So you've much taught different things. Yeah. Is that kind of just how you're, you're approaching it? Just like whatever comes up, I'll take it and enjoy the journey? Or do you have like a <laughs> particular path you want to go on? Or No, it's kind of been the first one and it's exhausting. <laughs> uh, I did as an aside. I'm going to answer your question. But as an aside, I applied for global entry. Josh made me because we're going to Italy. And when we came back from Peru, he had a, he decided to wait with me in the normal people line. And he was like, there is no chance in hell I'm doing this ever again. You need to get this. Like, we cannot do this again. <laughs> it's like, okay, fine. It took me months to do it. And you have to report every job that you've had in the last seven years. And I was like, kill me. Just kill me instead. I don't want to do this. <laughs> I tried to do it at a bar. And I was a little tipsy. And it was miserable. You have to do, like, all the num the addresses and all the numbers and, like, all this stuff. And I was like, this is terrible. I'm going to burn my phone. So... I would like to stop having multiple jobs because it is exhausting to keep track of. I'm really looking forward to future taxes where I only have to report one job because I used to have that several years ago and that was wonderful. It's incredible how simple things can be. They're not. So right now, technically, I'm only teaching to save my job because we need to run a program to keep our funding. But my technical job right now is job developer slash career counselor. So what I'm supposed to be doing is doing like resume writing, um, cover letter writing, mock interviews and stuff like that with our students in our career training program. And that I like really like and would do for an extended period of time. So I hope to continue with that. But I did miss teaching immediately because I'm not actually now I'm teaching again to run the program. But 
I switched to this role in September. And so September through December, I wasn't teaching at all and I missed it immediately. So I do want to make sure whether I'm running workshops or something, I need to be in a classroom because sitting at a desk full time is miserable. Like even my legs got tired. This is why I'm walking so much now because like I literally like my butt hurts from sitting in a chair and like, but our table that I sit at doesn't go higher or anything. So like I have to sit to use the computer and it's just wildly boring. So I like that I'm teaching part time with this. I think I could go at this rate for a while. I love that I'm I think I don't know if I told you this last night, but like my classroom is all women right now, unintentionally so. It's just who registered for the program and who qualified English level wise to be in it. And that's just super great. Like I love being in a classroom full of women. It feels like really fun to be supporting like that in a space. I don't know. So I don't know. I would like to keep this job for a while. If not to just be not having to learn anything new, all of my positions have required me to invent my own curriculum or develop off of a curriculum, which I am tired of doing. And I would like to not have to continue to do that. But I've worked for so many like individual things. Like when I was working in the high school, there was a curriculum that we were following and then you just had to individualize it for your school kind of setting. The computer class did have that and I was just still tweaking it. So like those were easier where like I was still choosing the pacing and everything. Those were really hands off. This basic accounting class is just off the cuff, not off the cuff, but like I'm inventing the curriculum as we go. And I want to stop doing that because I'm tired. But I did a curriculum I made for life skills right before COVID, the year before COVID, whatever year that was, 2019. We're now using in our department for a different class, which I'm pretty proud of. So I was like, oh, I can just take all of that, adapt it for our students, and it's great. So that's kind of cool. Nice. To be able to make some of my work come back around again. But I don't know. I would like to stay at this program for a while. We'll see. It depends on grants. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, because everything in the education world is not simple and can't be as easy as just having a job. Especially nonprofits. Right. Yeah. Fun. Mm -hmm. What kind of stuff? So you've been teaching, like, in total, you've been teaching for 10, 15 years, closer to 15. Calm down. <laughs> um, I graduated 2010. So. So, yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> yes. I guess it is closer to I meant 15. it as a, like, a compliment and that you have a wealth of knowledge that I want to I tap know, into. It just makes me feel. It makes you feel old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've not embraced that yet. Okay. Well. In your time in teaching, talking to somebody, me, that is new to the profession, under a year, what are things that you, which, what advice would you give to a, a fresh, uh, young... Fresh young buck. Buck, like myself, who's who's just taking over classrooms now. Like, what, what things did you, did it Why take you... Why didn't you have asked me this in advance so I could think about it? Because well, that's, <laughs> I, I like to put you on the spot. I hate it. Yeah, what, what kind of stuff has come up for you maybe in, in more recent years where you're like, God, I wish I would have known that at the start I think making teacher friends is actually really helpful if you can have a teacher friend in your school just like one that has more experience I don't count because I'm not in your school and I never taught children in Oregon I mean I count but like as like a tertiary one if you can have like a teacher that's been around that can give you advice and kind of especially if they know your students like being in the school if they know your students a little bit can be like hey I've like seen them, I can get, I have like a little bit of background on them or whatever. Having a friend that can 
kind of give you advice and tips and kind of like be like, well, this is what's worked in my classroom. Even when I was telling you last night, like I have ideas, but like if you have one in your school, so you can be like, this is what really works. Or this is what I've seen work. Like having someone that can like help you and guide you a little bit is really, really helpful. I think kind of like also really considering meeting people where they're at, like, uh, right, like we were talking last night about your one kid who's advanced and like just being fifth grade is a good age where you can start talking to kids and being like, hey, what what would you like? Like, what is your ideal situation? Like, I see you're like all over the place. I know that you can do this work and you don't want to. Right. You're still going to have to do work. But like what would what could make this better? Like really just talking to them like they're people because they are people. But like kids that can handle being treated like they're a peer, obviously they're not, and you obviously still use your teacher voice and all of that, but like more like a peer, like I respect you, like I want you to be successful, I know you can be successful, we're having a struggle right now, like what's going to work for you? And like depending on the age and the kid, they might push back and be like nothing, blah, 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 and be like an ass about it, but there's others that would like really appreciate that, and even if they don't know how to show it, they'll appreciate it at some point, yeah, and I think that works across all of them. Levels. Just try to meet people where they're at. Like you can't blanket hold expectations across every grade, across every like kid, across all their like different abilities and whatnot. Also, like locus of control stuff. Like what can I? Do you know this term? I from, I've heard it. Okay, I don't remember if I learned in education or something else, but like just what are you actually able to control and manage? Like realistically. What is within your bounds that you can really manage to? Like, you can tweak your lessons to help your kids. You're not going to be able to manage, like, what is happening in other rooms. What happened last year has happened. Now they're where they are. What even happened two months ago or one month ago with their other sub? It's gone. That time has passed. We can't, like, be like, oh, I wish this had happened, whatever. It just didn't. It didn't. It's not. You have what you have. What can I do to be helpful in this moment in time? Where can I just got to be moving forward? How can we help in this time? And, you know, some things you just aren't able to work on, whether it's like the larger structure of how kids are supported in the school. Whatever happens with your one kid who's doing some wild shit, if the principal isn't handling it or just goes, yep, nope, that's out of our thing. Like, what can you do in your classroom to manage that? You can't change what happens at home. You can't change what happens on the playground unless you're playground monitoring then kind of, yeah. But <laughs> just like, what are you able to do? And I mean, I think the hard, one of the hardest things is like, you can't plan for everything. You can't help everyone. You will try. You're just, there's going to be kids that just like shit happens to them. I had one student who is, he had an IEP. He got a lot of um like he had a para and stuff he had a lot of supports but like people were shitty to him and like I could not look out for him getting bullied I could like help when I found out and make sure that like he had support in certain places but like he got jumped going home from school and like that's horrible but there's nothing I can do I can just make sure that in the space where I am I can support him I can try to figure out like can someone walk you home can we talk to the parents whatever you can do but it's like shitty things are going to happen and you can't just let that like eat at you because unfortunately you can get really like upset and hurt by everything that happens and how shitty kids get 
treated in different spaces or just like they're having a tough time or whatever. You just have to make the time that you have with them without obsessing over it or making it weird just as positive as you can and try to support them as much as possible. As I have gotten in deeper into this and now doing like the long-term sub assignment where, you know, we were talking about the subs not getting a lot of information about the students Mm -hmm. that you may need to know. You get little, little bits of information about their home life. I have, you know, I've been told in classes, hey, this kid has had a rough home life for the last year and has a lot going on outside of school. Mm-hmm. And and you kind of have to, like, really understand what they're going through in order to, like, ca- you know, cater to their learning. I guess what I'm saying is there's so much more of that than I than I really thought. Yeah. I mean, I think there's yes and no. So... You can't make a lesson individualized for 25 kids. That will kill you. You will just explode of stress and overworked and burnout and not be a teacher anymore. Like, you just can't do that. But you can try to – oh, my God, I have so many things I should send you, so many resources. Um, But there's ways to, like, at least group kids or group students in, like, different ways where, like, okay, these kids need – this level of support versus this level of support versus this level of support. And you can differentiate like three different kind of settings. So you're not, you're not going to, you can't just cater to this kid reads a little bit worse than this kid. And this kid just like needs more sleep time. And this kid just needs like a little bit more attention. This kid needs to like, that's too much. You're going to kill yourself. Don't do that. Um, We just like finding ways that are feasible that can more broadly help differentiate for the kids. Also, what you were saying reminded me that I was in a training earlier this week. It was like tips for teaching in a multi-level classroom, and then it ended up being a bunch of stuff that I knew, which I was a little annoyed about. But one of the things they put up that I feel like got really popular in like diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, trainings that I've been in a lot of is there's a couple pictures online. Have you seen like what is equity versus equality? Mm-hmm. That's what when you were saying that, like, what is equitable for students? Like, instead of everyone's equal, they all get a bicycle. The one that they had on the training was like, instead of everyone getting the same bicycle because equality, you need different supports for different people because you're small, because you're tall, because you can't walk, because whatever. So, right, it is trying to make an equitable classroom, but also like equitable in a way that doesn't also get too meticulous. So, you know, I don't know how much teacher training you got before doing this. Zero. Pretty much none. Cool. Do you know about Gardner's Multiple Intelligences? Nope. Cool. So Gardner's Multiple Intelligences, this is not related to equity exactly, but it is related to thinking about needs of students. So it's basically the idea of different learning styles. This is like bare bones education stuff. Where it's like, all right, there's, like, when you think about, like, I'm a visual learner, or when people say, like, I prefer to read things to get things, or I need to listen to them, those are part of the multiple intelligences. So there's people that are better at spatial things, and they need to be able to move around in a space to help them learn, or kinesthetic learners that just, like, physically need to move. Those kids that are super squirmy, probably kinesthetic learners. They'd be better if they could move their hands or some shit or stand. I don't know, there's seven. But it's a way of, like, really thinking about you don't have to know what all the kids are. You can definitely suss it out by watching them behaviorally, right? But just in planning lessons and thinking about, okay, there's going to be more movement in one activity, so we're making sure that these kids get a chance to engage. 
There's one that it's just like an auditory thing where they have to do a listening activity. There's one where there's reading activities. But just like making sure that like instead of just having a thing where it's like, right, you know, I think it was less us per se, but definitely the generations before us that was like rote learning. Read it on the board, write it down, say it out loud. That's how we learn. And this is like, no, that's fucking, that's stupid. That works for some people, but intrapersonal, hanging out with people, visual, spatial, like being able to move around and see stuff. Naturalistic, that's the one I always like, nature shit. I don't know, that one's harder to do in the classroom. Musical, bodily kinesthetic, moving around. Intrapersonal is self, like needing to do things by yourself, knowing things about yourself, being better to think, what would I do in this situation? Interpersonal is working with other people, doing better in pairs, thinking about other, how you work with other people. Uh, logical, mathematical, right? Like science and math nerds. Oh, and verbal linguistic. So like reading. So like getting in better when you're reading, facial, naturalistic, music, body kinesthetic, logical, mathematical, interpersonal, intrapersonal, and linguistic. But yeah, so just even that, like one of the reasons why that's like education 101 is just to really get to the point that you're talking about where it's like all these kids bring a lot to the table. All of them are going to be good at some things. What they're good at and how they express that can vary kid by kid, subject by subject, all of the things. But just knowing that there are a lot of – they all bring – different things to the table and being able to figure out like one of the teacher's jobs is to be able to find out how can we really inspire that how can we really help them find what they're good at and how they can embrace that and apply that to other things you can get logic kids to be good with art as long as you make art logical you can get art kids to understand math if you can make it more arty so even if they're dealing with other like learning disabilities or challenges or home challenges right like those are extended things that you also have to be able to support. But if you can find what they're good at and how to really embrace them in the classroom, then that can make it easier to work through. Additionally, you need this extra support or you need more, less moving around and more downtime or more engagement in some ways for the sleepy ones because, yes, they're tired. But like if you give them sleepy time stuff, like stuff that will make let them fall asleep, then they'll fall asleep. I don't know if I told you ever what my what it was like for me to get into this mm -mm. to kind of give you an idea of you know what was my training i have a strong idea that it was terrible it was pretty terrible yeah so i applied on a monday mm -hmm. and in the application process even before you submit a resume or anything it has you choose an orientation time and so i chose that wednesday two days later mm -hmm. so i finished my application wednesday comes around it says it's going to be a three hour long orientation mm -hmm. And that includes partial interview. <laughs> we get through an hour and a half of the orientation. They go, well, we're done. Uh -huh. uh, if anybody's still interested, email us and then we'll email you the next steps. Mm -hmm. So I, sure, yeah, I'm still interested. Mm -hmm. I email them and they email it back and it's a list, you know, just a list of things to check off. Mm -hmm. And it's background check, fingerprints, mm -hmm. whatever. I get all that done. There is some online training that is like little learning modules that have a little mm -hmm. quiz at the end. Mm -hmm. And then that one was more focused on like... Don't touch children. No, that was the other <laughs> one. This one was more like... It, it'll, it'll 
teach you about, you know, the, the eight to one rule of compliments to negative. What the fuck is that? So basically saying when you're walking around the room, you should give out eight compliments of you're doing a good job. I like that. Wow. That's really impressive. Per child or just holistically? Uh, I think the <laughs> idea kind of fucked if it's holistically. Well, I think the the concept is so the one in the eight to one is a like a negative like the kid that you hate. No, it's it's more. It's saying that like well yes, um, I think it's saying <laughs> if you have to redirect a student and tell them like no you're doing it wrong or. Not necessarily plan doing the your work path out. across the classroom <laughs> so that you have first complimented eight kids that right. do you understand? And now that we're talking about it, I can't remember if it was eight to one for an individual student or for the class. Yeah, it's kind of fucked if it's for the class. It's yeah. a ridiculous system, regardless. But yeah, but basically, <laughs> never heard this in my life. Basically, it comes oh to and one of my other teachers mentioned it the other day. I was like, oh, you actually do do this. But yeah, essentially what it comes down to is like you want to be giving out more positives than you do anything negative. Yeah. Here's the thing. Basic teacher training is one, real easy to get through. Those classes are the easiest thing in the world because a lot of it's common sense. Don't be an asshole is literally what you're saying yes. the rule is. Don't berate children Yeah, is right. So yeah. there's like common sense shit that are like. They don't always teach you that one yeah. because they can say it in a different way where it's like, yes, you should be more positive than negative, And this is how you do constructive criticism. But cool. So had to do that learning module quiz shit. Good Lord. And then the other one was the don't touch kids and don't sexually <laughs> harass your fellow employees. Yeah. And I probably put in maybe 10 or 12 hours. Of all, from the from the that's better than I was expecting. Yeah, well, that includes the application and the orientation. Wow. Um, and driving there, driving to go get my fingerprints. Oh god! And then, like two weeks later, I was in a classroom. Oh god! I lucked out because I got my first week. I had I picked up jobs that had student teachers, which is the most bullshit thing ever because those people are in the classroom every single day, oftentimes running the classroom, mm -hmm. and they're not getting paid. Yeah. Hi, I did student teaching. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it is a semester long internship, right. unpaid internship. Yes, I'm aware. And then if the teacher is gone and they have to get a sub, mm -hmm. I would come into the room, do nothing because the student teacher had it under control mm -hmm. and I was getting paid for the day. Yeah. That I, is how student teaching works. I felt horrible every time yeah. I went in. I was like, I am so sorry I'm here and that you're not getting paid. I feel like the more thing that you should reflect on for this is that not only are you getting paid, is that if you somehow got a permanent position, what is your price point difference than this person who did all of that training and is now teaching full-time? Just like you were teaching full-time, but you didn't have to do any of that same training. Right. That's more of the fuck shit. Yeah. 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 So luckily I had my first week, I had three days in a row of paired with student teachers. Yeah. Which good. I haven't had that come up again yeah. this school year, but it was a really great experience to get in and just kind of like get. shadow somebody for a few days <laughs> yeah. before. Because I think if they had just dropped me in a classroom without any one-on-one -on -one stuff like that, yeah. I would have been totally lost. Yeah. But getting to see like a current student teacher 
mm-hmm. do their thing and how they structured, how they spoke to students. And God, this is so dark, right? <laughs> to kind of, you know, compliment myself. I'm a, you know, I pick things up pretty quickly. I'm a, I'm decent at every job I've ever done. You know, I'm, I'm capable. Mm-hmm. I can't such imagine. Uh-huh. I said such confidence. <laughs> yeah. I'm decent. Huh? I, I get by. Let's put it this way. The average person, I would be scared of having them just walk in and substitute. You mean like how Florida doesn't require teaching certifications exactly. or whatever anymore? Yeah. Whatever the fuck that well, is. Well, as long as you're a veteran, then you can be a teacher. Is that a thing? That's, a, that's their thing. You don't have to have a degree anymore, but if you were a veteran, you can be a teacher. These kids are fucked. I know. It's fucked. It's yeah. Fucked. It's fucked. Well, this is like more or less in line with my rant about Teacher America mm-hmm. and all of those fucking programs because it's like some kid got a college degree and now they're like, yup, I can teach. And then they go and there's like, I don't remember how many weeks training you get for Teacher, teacher America, but you get like summer training and then... Now you're a teacher in an inner city school or in a school that has low resources, whatever the thing is, some students that are already getting the shit end of the stick in the classroom, and now you've got this white savior kid 99% of the time coming in who's like, well, I got trained for three months, and now I'm your teacher. And like, they also, like Teach for America's what, two years, I think? And the amount of people that drop out either during it or immediately afterwards were like, well, I'll go teaching experience. Now I'm out. I'm going to go get my corporate job or whatever the fuck is like. And then you just screw the kids. And like, that's fine because who cared anyways? Like now this person got to feel like they got to teach and they get to tell everyone they had teaching experience. Like it's all fucked. It's all fucked. The whole system is. It's all terrible. It's awful. It's terrible. Uh, yeah. But now that I'm in it. It's hard to see going back to anything else, like an office job. Do you think you're going to get certified and like actually go to school? I don't know. I They keep asking me. Good. They're basically offering me a job right now. Are they going to fund you to get certified? I don't know. I haven't asked that. You should ask. Yeah. What accommodations can they provide for you to go to night school? Yeah, I should look into it. They've got to have some kind of program. There's got to be. Yeah. Is there a... I was going to say PCC. Are there community colleges in Tigard yeah. that you could do that? Yeah, PCC's right near me. Okay. Yeah. If they have Ed do that. And then Portland State, I'm sure you could do all online or something. I, I wasn't in the Ed department, so I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I, I think this is my worry, that now that I've tried out being an actual, like, in being a long-term sub, mm-hmm. having to take on all the teacher responsibilities, I hate half of it. <laughs> and... <laughs> Okay. I feel like I was much more effective as a teacher when I was just a substitute because somebody else did the lesson planning for me and I could come in and just teach it. Yeah. So would teachers. Yeah. I just don't want to do the prep work (laughs) and I don't want to do the grading. Okay. And I don't want to do the parent contact. I would still encourage you to take some classes just to basically learn the profession that you were doing. And be better at it. Uh, that would, I mean, I don't know how you are in the classroom. I totally respect if you are having an effective experience, but like. I could be better. It, it's just nice to know things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying that with love. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Please. I'm like listing off things in my head that I'm going to be like, 
sending you resources and yeah. being like, do you know these things? Yeah. And that's part of the problem that I have with substituting on the other side of the coin is that there is no ongoing training. Like I'm having to literally go to the principal and be like, where can I get more information? Can somebody come like, you know, uh, what's the word? Watch your class. Like, um, observe observations, observations. If I could get an observation just to have somebody come in and be like, here's what you're doing right. Here's what you could improve on. But there's, you have to be very proactive about it because there is no oversight at all for substitutes. Do you have a curriculum? Are you making shit up? I am currently leeching off of the other fifth grade teachers. That's not leeching. That's good. You're supposed to be doing. You should be doing the same thing that they're doing or similar things that that's not. That's yes. Not having to create your own curriculum is great. Yes. Do not do that to yourself. They have set expectations for what should happen in fifth grade. Get those resources. Those teachers do not care. If they care, then they're a fucking problem and go ask a different one. No, they've been great. They're great support. It's a really good team. Yeah, definitely. Do you have grade team meetings? Yeah. Be like, please help me. And they've been really good. Like anytime I've asked them for support, they they get me whatever I need. So Yes. Use the people that know what's going on in a polite way. Yes. Do I have any more teaching questions for you or do you have any more closing thoughts (laughs) on the on the profession? Uh, no, I'm trying to be very nice and how much I'm about to, I'm thinking about spamming you with just shit. <laughs> no, I, I need it. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm like sitting here thinking like, do I have access to the Padlet that had all of these resources that you benefit from from my training the other day? Oh, God. <laughs> Welcome to education. Yeah. Let's finish this up with more of our friendship conversation. Okay. You are one of the few people who has traveled with me. <laughs> yes. Internationally at yep. that. Yep. Do you want to give a little uh, insight into what that's like? <laughs> I hope to God it's gotten better. <laughs> did I want to murder you? Yes. Yes, I did. Why? <laughs> you lost your fucking passport. <laughs> Good God. You traveled with an unsealable bag. Just an open tote full of important shit. A plastic bag. Was it plastic? I don't I, think it was plastic. I believe I had a plastic bag. I can't remember, but it was... Like a Fred Meyer plastic bag. Unsealable. Mm-hmm. Just an open tote full of shit that you did not want to lose, despite the fact that it did not close. Uh, yeah, it was mostly those two things that made me want to die. Yeah. I think driving was fine. Driving around Iceland was fine. Mm-hmm. You picking stuff you were going to do in Reykjavik without telling me and just being like, oh, I'm going on these tours. And I was like, okay, bye, friend. I'll go hang out with this man I met on Tinder. I actually worked out really great. He had a dog. He was chill. Yeah. Also made it seem like it is impossible to get condoms in Reykjavik, which was concerning. Yeah. That was weird. Also, because he was going to take us to the Blue Lagoon and then you fucked that up somehow. Oh, no. I didn't know that. No. I don't think I ever I knew that. that. No. Yeah. He was like, he oh. could get it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But also, you were on your, like, penguin boat, not seeing penguins or something. Yeah, that's what I did. I still have a credit in, in Reykjavik for a free tour because we didn't see anything. Did you really? Yeah. I just have to remember what company it was. Oh, good luck. Next time I'm there, I can go on a free. I paid for it. I wonder how long that lasts. They said forever. Really? Yeah. They said it doesn't have an expiration. Just come back anytime. I, I'm sure they know that nobody's coming back, so <laughs> they're not losing anything. Okay, there's that. Uh-huh. It was mostly the bag and the losing the passport thing, to be honest. Driving yeah. around Scotland was pretty fine. 
We split up in Edinburgh, mm-hmm. but I think I had a little bit more advance warning that you were like, I'm going to do these tourist things. And I was like, I'm going to go hang out with these Danish people. Yo, I followed them on social media. And the dude that I had sex with, he is having a kid and getting married. And it was like, our lives took two very different paths <laughs> after I had sex that- with you on the street. Wait, I didn't know about this. I didn't tell you that. No. This not was the top on the other one. This is in Edinburgh? Yeah. <laughs> With the Danish guys. Not all of them. Uh, well, we couldn't do it in the hostel. That's rude. Sure. <laughs> I didn't tell you that. Yet. No. <laughs> yeah, a couple times. <laughs> Woo. Good. Yeah. It was fine. Because I know Reykjavik <laughs> didn't work out, so. Uh, I did not. Yeah. That's fine. He still has me on Snapchat, so now I can see where he goes in Reykjavik if I really wanted to. It's yeah. weird. In the three seconds I open Snapchat to yeah. clear my shit out. Stupid notifications. No, I think that was it. You did really bum out your cousin when she threw that party for us, and you were too busy freaking out about your passport when yeah. you couldn't actually do anything. She was chill as fuck, though. I liked Erin a lot. Cool. She was great. Yeah, she's got. Uh, she finished her, her doctorate. Yeah. Um, she runs a clinic now. That's awesome. And has like employees and all this stuff. Holy and, like, shit. That's great. She was being interviewed on BBC, like on TV. That's awesome. About health stuff. That's She's incredible. Like, really killing it. That's amazing. Yeah. I think she'll, I, I want to interview her for this too at some point. That would be great. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I'll, I'll go international and go visit her and record. That'd be great. Yeah. She was awesome. Yeah. I really like that. Like while you were trying to find your passport, I woke up and she was like breakfast beers and it was like fuck yeah. And we like sat in her window and like looked out at the street of Edinburgh drinking beers yeah. in the morning, being like, I don't know what the fuck he's gonna do. And then you got your passport back and you learned nothing. Oh no, uh, I don't know if you know this. That oh no. So after that experience, uh-huh. which just for everybody listening, the the short version of the story is that I went to the U.S. Embassy in Scotland to get a new passport, and when I got there, my passport had been. Fucking ridiculous. The most insane look. Yeah. Because it was going to be like 300 bucks or something to yeah. get an emergency passport printed. And as I turned in the paperwork, they turned around and handed me my passport and were like, <laughs> it showed up here the other day. So somebody like mailed it in or something, <laughs> found it. I don't know. So, so it couldn't even been when we were in Edinburgh. It had to come from Sky, which is not even close. Right. Right. It's insane. Yeah. It's still um, insane to this day. So a friend of mine bought me a passport like cover protector thing that has like, it looks like a constellation, but Mm -hmm. it's an otter. It's really cute. That's cute. And she was like, now you won't lose this because basically implying like I bought you this gift, put it on your, uh, your, uh, your passport. She doesn't know you that Don't lose my gift. (laughs) If you protect a gift from a friend better than you protect your fucking passport internationally. Yeah. I'll be impressed. I would have bought a string for you to wear it around your neck. <laughs> I make those things for tourists. Yes. Put it under their shirts when they're afraid they're going to get robbed or whatever nonsense the tourists think. So the next trip I took. Oh, no. I'm sitting in the airport. Oh, no. And I go to take a picture of the passport to send it to her and be like. And it had fallen out. It had fallen out of my pocket <laughs> in between the seats at the airport. And I like looked down and I was like. Oh, shit. If I hadn't been about to joke around and send this picture, I would have gotten on the plane without my passport. Well, you wouldn't have been able to get on the plane. Have they scanned your passport before you? No, I was at the gate. You don't have to scan your... I think you do. Oh, do you? Yeah. I think you scan it at the gate, too. Okay. But still... Hopefully. Yeah. For my sake. Yeah. She didn't understand that it's not about it looking important. (laughs) It's about literally needing to be 
secured to your body because you're an idiot. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Did yeah. you also bring an open tote bag to that trip? I, I've gotten much better. You didn't answer the question. Uh, I don't recall. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I did pretty good on this trip. I got everything into one backpack. Mm-hmm. You're still here, so. <laughs> I haven't lost anything yet. <laughs> My neighbor's going to be like, what the fuck are they doing? Knocking on the floor for good luck. <laughs> Jesus. My God. You still have to get home, bro. Yeah. At least I don't need a passport this time. <laughs> uh, yes. Thank you for putting up with me. <laughs> it was still a fun trip. Yes. Yeah. I, I think we'll wrap that up then. And <laughs> and as always on this, I like to ask at the end, and, and maybe a, a different way for you is, how are we still friends? <laughs> but Allie, are we still friends? Of course. Oh, good. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad that we have been, and I'm, I'm glad that we've kept this going despite you know, a country between us and <laughs> for real. And I was like, what country? Oh yeah. <laughs> the whole US. <laughs> the entire coast to coast. Yeah. No, it's it's I know it's a thing that like and I've even struggled with this with other people that that move away. It's hard to maintain contact and it's hard to maintain a friendship. And yeah. I think we've done a pretty good job at it. Definitely. I also think it depends on the people too, because like I definitely have friends that I don't see very often where it's just like, I don't know, I feel like we know we're going to be friends. Even if I didn't talk to you for months on end, I can text you, text you something random and not feel bad about it and just be like, whatever, he's going to be there. Yeah. And if sometime you're not, I'll be like, well, that fucking sucks. I yeah. wonder what happened there. But like, <laughs> ultimately, it's just that like not being stressed that like you have to communicate to be friends. And sometimes that takes like a long time. And then you're like, oh, shit. Hello. No, still here. Still good. Let's catch up. Yeah. Thank you for hosting me. I never mentioned it in the episode, but we are here in Brooklyn, New York, doing this episode. So thank you for having me. Thank you for hosting me. Of course. And thank you for doing this this podcast. And thank you to my roommates for not being around so we could do this in the living room. We did it. My un- tiny sweatbox bedroom. We did it uninterrupted. I think the audio is going to sound really cool and like it sounds good. I was worried about like, are there going to be like sirens in the background? Are there going to be cars driving by? Like <laughs> Brooklyn is always on fire. <laughs> yes, um, but no, it's been it's sounded great. So I'm the audio nerd in me is happy. Yay! Thanks so much to Allie for sitting down with me today. Are we still friends? Is produced and edited by me, Kyle Coleman. Music provided by our friend Jack Martin. Be sure to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Visit arewestillfriends.com to find more interviews with your favorite friends. 